three weeks ago, we, we hosted a huddle here at Grace Church, and, and a huddle was just a, an opportunity for us as a church to gather, and, and the purpose of that huddle was to communicate a foundational principle that is going to guide our church into an incredible future. And we tried to summarize it this way. Every partner, a guide. Every partner, a guide. You see, when, when people come and, and they desire to know Jesus Christ, we want to partner with them. And we want to partner with them so much so that they can get to a place where they feel confident, they feel equipped, they feel ready to guide other people spiritually. Hence the idea or the concept of every partner a guide. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look to the scriptures and we're going to look at some biblical evidence. And this is just like the tip of the iceberg, you could say. This is just a small amount of evidence that's going to be presented to you this morning that really supports this idea, this concept of every partner a guide. And so let's look to the scriptures and to kind of set it up for us this morning, I want to remind us that before Jesus came to earth, okay, Jesus was in heaven, in, in the glories of heaven, and before he came to earth, the Holy Spirit operated through a select group of people called priests. So when you read the Old Testament, specifically in the book of Exodus, it's the second book of the Bible, you'll read about Aaron. Aaron was the brother of Moses, and he was the very first priest. And then his sons carried on the priesthood. Once again, you can read all about this in Exodus. In the Old Testament, to do anything religiously, you know, to, uh, to pray, uh, to give a worship offering, to confess sins, a regular person uh, could not go directly to God. A regular person, um, you know, he or she had to go through a priest in the Old Testament model. But Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection turned the Old Testament religious system inside out. His coming to earth changed everything. And on what we now call the day of Pentecost, when the first Jesus followers gathered in what was called the upper room, they heard a sound of a sudden rushing wind. And I want us to read it. On the day of Pentecost, all believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I have to be honest with you, I have no clue what these tongues of fire look like. But they represented the coming of the Holy Spirit in full measure to the church. And the tongues did not just sit on the heads of a select few. The tongues of fire sat on everyone's head who was there. And from that moment on, instead of just a few select priests filled or empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry out the function of a priest, suddenly every one of Jesus' followers became a priest. This means because of Jesus, we have direct access to the throne of God. Because of Jesus Christ, we no longer have to go through a priest. We can go directly to God in prayer, in worship. It also means 
that we become priests to one another. So what does a, a faithful priest do for his people? A faithful priest prays for his people. A faithful priest encourages his people. He watches over them. At times, a faithful priest needs to confront his people. A faithful priest grieves with those who grieve and, and rejoices with those who rejoice. And as a result, the people feel loved, they, they feel nurtured, they feel secure and blessed. Here at Grace Church, we put it this way. Every partner, a guide. Or we could even say every partner, a minister. Or every partner, a priest. Like imagine with me for just a moment, a community of believers where everyone took his or her priesthood seriously. Like, think about this with me for just a moment. I think a community of believers like that could turn the world upside down. I really do. According to Ephesians, God has uniquely equipped some of these priestly servants to train others how to serve. Let's read it. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. It says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And why did he give these um, offices? Why did he give these people? To equip his people for the works of service. That's why those offices exist. To equip his people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Let me read it one more time. So Christ gave himself... I'm sorry, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So instead of the Old Testament temple model, what we have now is a congregation full of priests. And with With a congregation full of priests, we have a few teachers and leaders and pastors among the priesthood, you could say, who are called to equip the priests for ministry. And throughout church history, if you study church history at all, whenever this plan, whenever this idea has been carried out, the priesthood of the believers, where everyone is a minister, whenever this has been implemented in the church, the church has produced or borne great fruit. God has blessed it tremendously. And in such a situation, everybody wins. The ministers win. The equippers, those who are being equipped, everyone wins in this setting. Unfortunately, and I I don't say that word lightly, so let me say it again. Unfortunately, The church train jumped off the tracks. I mean like way, way off the tracks. The church train, to be very blunt, is not really even on the tracks to this day. Do you know how many Christian denominations are floating around out there in existence today? Like just in your mind, just think, like take a wild guess. How many Christian denominations exist today? There are over 33,000 
Christian denominations in existence today. I didn't, that's not a typo. I did say 33,000. No wonder the world is a little bit confused about Jesus. Although the early church started with this beautiful concept of the priesthood of all believers with every partner and active minister. And, and the idea was good works were going out in all directions. I mean, good works were just, you could find them everywhere. And when people looked at the church, they saw Jesus. That was the idea. But during the last couple of centuries, most churches have retreated. They have gone back to the Old Testament model. Let me give you just a little bit of an example of how this plays out. All right, This is how it looks. What happens is a group of people decide to for, uh, form a congregation, you could say. They, they decide, hey, we're going to start a church. And they decide to hire a minister. Like that's the actual language that is used. We are going to hire a minister. We're going to hire someone to do ministry. Like let that sink in for just a moment. They say to their new minister, okay, this is what we want you to do. This is like your job description. We want you to preach, teach. We want you to marry and bury. We want you to make hospital visits, visit the congregants in the church. We want you to counsel the confused, evangelize the community. We want you to raise money. And if you could, uh, we want you to print the bulletins, uh, do the announcements, and pray for the sick. And by the way, do you have any musical talent? And if your wife has musical talent... That is like icing on the cake, all right? Because we would like for you to lead the music. And then what happens is at the end of the year, after you've done the ministering, um, the congregants, what we're going to do is we're going to get our report cards out, and we're going to determine whether or not you have met our expectations. And if you have, we'll, we'll sign you up for another year. If not, we'll hire another minister who will do the ministering. And if the hired minister energetically throws himself into the multitude of tasks and the church starts to grow, the congregation might hire an assistant minister or assistant pastor, an administrative pastor, or maybe even a youth pastor to take care of all the programs that's beyond the main minister's reach. But again, the congregation pays the clergy to do ministry. And what happens is, is the church ends up with a few overworked professionals who are paid by the tithes and offerings of the congregation to fulfill the whole gamut of priestly functions while everyone else just sits back and remains passive observers, their, their gifts and talents atrophying from non-use. And by the way, this is the most widely practiced ministry model in existence today. And it does not have an ounce of biblical support. Let, let me say it this way. It is very unbiblical. It's wild. It's wild. Tragically... This approach has left many churches in shambles. It's left them weak and unorganized and powerless. And it is a very tough mindset to change. 
Howard Snyder, in his book called Liberating the Church, he said this, most, most people in the church expect doctors to treat us, but not to train us how to treat others. We expect lawyers to give us expert advice, not to admit us to the secret fraternity of those who understand how the legal system works. Likewise, we want pastors to serve us, not to build, train, and equip us to serve others. You know, honestly, I think one of the reasons why God gave me thick skin, like literally, okay, gave me some thick skin, is because for many years I've had to absorb the disapproval from people who want me to be like their doctor. They want me to be like their lawyer. They they want me to perform the priestly function for them, never realizing that God has called them to put on their own mantle of priestly responsibility. Listen, you're the priest. And you may say, not me, not us. But the scripture replies, that's not true. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a priest. By the way, happy Mother's Day, all right? No, it's seriously, I love, love you moms. It's so glad that you're here. I do have to say, um, I'm preaching this message today on purpose because Mother's Day is actually one of the highest attended services of the year for us. And I believe in this so much, I wanted to speak it today. And here at Grace, we're not afraid to say some hard things. We're not afraid to preach the truth because I believe that hard words make soft hearts. Sometimes we need to hear things that might make us a little bit uncomfortable. So if you're a little bit uncomfortable, um, it's okay. You'll be all right. It's actually a little good for you. You know, it, it must break God's heart when, when people come to church with a consumer mindset. You know, they're just happy to eat and run. A lot of people have the mindset of, of serve me. They have the mindset, teach me, you know, pray for me, fix my kids, counsel my spouse. And if you don't do this to my standards, then I'll go down the street and see if another church will pay better attention to me. Something I've learned in in my 20 plus years of experience in ministry is that you cannot build a God-honoring church with a congregation full of consumers. It's, It's not possible. Neither can you build a God-honoring church without teachers and leaders and pastors who are committed to equipping. So so let's shift gears a little bit. And it's like, man, Justin, you're kind of picking on the congregants, you know. So let's put the spotlight back on the ministers and the pastors. And I said ministers. Oh, my gosh. Let's put the spotlight back on the pastors and those who are supposed to be equipping. When those who are called to equip make the mistake of thinking they're the only ones who can be the doers of ministry? You know, when they they look down from their ivory towers, so to speak, from their pulpits or their wobbly tables, (laughs) and they look at their congregation and they're convinced that the Holy Spirit could not possibly work through people that are seated in front of them, they are directly disobeying their calling and the mandate from God. See, pastors, leaders, teachers, 
they are called, they are commissioned to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And then honestly, they need to get out of the way. And they need to let people lead. And they need to let people minister. If we are truly going to impact this region with the gospel, we have to continually remind one another that we are priests. Every partner, a guide. You can and you should personally. I'm speaking to each and every individual here in person, those that are online. Each of you should grow to the point that you are confident to guide someone spiritually. A family member, a spouse, a child, a co-worker, a neighbor. Let, let me say it this way. When those who are called to equip really do equip, and when people show up to be equipped and trained and empowered and entrusted with ministry, everyone wins. The equippers, those being equipped, the church, and especially the community wins. Because they get to see a city on a hill, like Jesus referred to it. They get to see a church that looks like Jesus. And God gets all the glory because it was his incredible idea. So I have to say, if, if you're listening here this morning, if you're watching online, and you're not to that point where you feel confident, you don't feel equipped, like that's not what we want for you as a church. We want you to get to that point where you are confident to guide someone spiritually. Listen, God has honored you by calling you to be a priest. So I encourage you to accept that honor and to walk forward in that honor. I also have to say, if, if you're a church leader here this morning, and you're a church leader who is not equipping the people to serve, you are failing the people that you're leading and you're serving. And I want to encourage you, like, you can do better. I can do better. And once again, imagine what could happen in our church and in our communities if every potential minister, priest, equipper, the equipped, actually lived according to this biblical mandate, this biblical teaching. I tell you what would happen. An extraordinary power for good would be unleashed. God's idea is good works going out in all directions, not from just a select few. And as a matter of fact, we've done some things intentionally. You know, I have had some people refer to, um, you know, like, hey, Justin, can you uh, get the staff to do X, Y, or Z? And they might look at me a little funny because I look at them a little bit cross-eyed. But we actually don't refer to them as staff. We refer to them as the pastor team because we're trying to have a mindset as a church that the pastors are to equip the saints, you, for the work of ministry. If we have a staff mindset, it's like, hey, they're going to do everything for me. Like when I go to that nice hotel on the beach, man, like everything's covered for me. They bring me my drinks. You know, I'm set. That's not a church mentality. That's not what Christ was envisioning. He was envisioning the saints doing the work of ministry. As a matter of fact, I believe in this so much that for the next few weeks, we are going to unpack this idea of every partner a guide. 
we're going to spend time on the questions of how do we equip the saints for the work of ministry? How does that work? How is that supposed to happen? What does it mean to even be equipped? How can you as a congregant know that, man, I am equipped, I'm ready? How does that happen? And then we're also going to ask the question, what is the work of ministry? So we're supposed to equip the saints for the work of ministry? So what is the work of ministry? What does that mean? How's that supposed to play out in real life? And we're going to spend time on it. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to spend as much time as I can until we get it figured out and start living it out as a church. I want to ask you a couple just personal questions that, once again, I don't want you to answer out loud, but I think they're important to ask. And the first one is, is do you personally... Do you feel equipped? You feel like, man, I'm, I'm confident that I could have a, uh, I could have a conversation with someone who maybe has just lost a loved one, or they're going through a marital crisis, or you know they're having some parental issues. You know, like I, I feel confident that I could speak into their life and guide them spiritually. Do you feel equipped? The second question. Do you feel like you could guide someone spiritually? You personally. And I have to say, in, in, in my experience, this is why I'm teaching on this, is I've had so many people that will say, Justin, can you, can you talk to my friend about salvation? Justin, can you give counsel to, to this couple? Justin, can, you know, and it's like, once again, the mindset is, I'm the only one that can minister and I'm trying to blow up that idea. And I'm trying to help you realize you can minister. You can actually be the one that speaks into people's lives. Every partner, a guide. And then I'll finish with this last question. Are we as a church, like, are we a church that is just another denominational statistic, you know, just adding to the confusion? Or are we as a true church truly living out and becoming the kind of church that Jesus dreamt of when he said this in Matthew 16, the last part of verse 18, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. I want to be a part of that kind of a church. So I finish with, what kind of a church are we going to be? Are we going to be the kind of church that the hired minister does all the ministering? That church is going to be lame. It's not going to be good. Or are we going to be the church where every partner is a guide, everyone is equipped and empowered and strengthened and trained to do the work of ministry? That is kind of a fun idea. And by the way, that is a God idea. And I'm going to do my best to lead us in that direction. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for life. Thank you for the children that we were able to dedicate this morning. Thank you for the families that were represented, the parents. Thank you for mothers. I just pray that people walk out of here just feeling better for having been here. But they also walk out of here challenged. Father, I want to thank you 
for this incredible idea, this incredible teaching that every single one of us can actually be equipped. We can grow to the point where we can carry out the priestly duties of ministering to others and guiding others spiritually. Help us to to grow in this and to learn this as a church and help us to walk this out. And I do pray and I dream of the day when Grace Church really is, man, it's just a a beacon of hope. It is a city on a hill that people in our communities can look to. And when they look at this church, they see a bunch of imperfect people. They see Jesus. They see authenticity. They see people who are striving to um, know Jesus and to make him known. Father, I pray that you would bless this uh, message series that we're going to move into as we unpack this idea. And I pray that you would Just help us to learn and to grow. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.